Our theme today is the theme of prayer. We're singing about prayer and practicing prayer and preaching about prayer. And right now we're going to sing about prayer 445. We're going to stand up and sing out sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care. So as we stand and sing today, uh, let's do so with all of our hearts. 445, let's stand and sing. singing an arrangement of an old Irish folk song. Uh, It was originally written in 1677, so it may be new to some of us here today. It's certainly not a new song, 1677, but I trust it will be a blessing uh, for you and uh, will honor the Lord. Yeah. 
chapter 2, and uh, you should have found one of those sermon guides on your pew as you came in, if you'll grab that, and uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 2 and in several passages of the uh, book of Acts this morning. Most people pray, most people pray, that may surprise you, those words from Don Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines Within the Church, but most people pray. In fact, he says most people pray often, or at least they say they do. In the United States, nine out of ten people say they pray to God. Nine out of ten. Four out of five adults who pray say that their prayer is a regular part of their lives. And of those adults who ever pray to God, almost six out of ten, or 58%, claim that they pray every day. And most of those say they pray more than once a day. Even two-thirds of those who never go to church, they say that they pray. Now listen, I want you to hear these next two sentences very carefully. Yet with all this individual prayer, there seems to be much less group prayer. In the western half of the world, and particularly in America, the independent spirit prevails over the interdependent spirit. And that's what I want to talk to you about today as we continue talking about the church and what the church does. And that is the need for corporate prayer or group prayer. Now, I want you to understand as we talk today, we're in no way discounting the importance of private personal prayer. Prayer. This is not an either or situation. This is a both and. We need private prayer. That is personally praying, privately praying, whether that be at home or on the job or wherever it may be, whenever it may be. And I trust that prayer is a vital part of your life. We need that private prayer time, but we also need corporate prayer. That is group prayer. The church needs to pray. Now, we're continuing our series called Church Matters. 
And in this series, we're going back to the word of God and we're seeing his blueprint, his plans for the church. And right now we're talking about what a church does, the functions of a church. You know, churches can do so many different things, but but there are some things that all churches should be doing. And that's what we're focusing upon. And one of the functions of the church is prayer. The church prays. So go back to Acts chapter 2. We've been there for a while now. We did take a little break over Palm Sunday and Easter. But Acts chapter 2, back to verse 42 again. As we see the early church here, the church is born in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And we find in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, these words. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And in prayers. So let's talk about that theme today, the theme of prayer. What does the church do? It prays. Now I want you to understand, first of all, that prayer is taught in the scriptures. It's modeled. It's modeled for us. You know, when you begin preparing a lesson or a sermon on prayer, there is no shortage of material. You could go back to the Old Testament and look at the great prayers that are recorded in the Old Testament. You could go and examine the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and and see the time that he spent in prayer. Someone else could go and spend a great deal of time searching out the letters of the Apostle Paul and, and, and reaping all the glorious benefits there. But today, we're focusing primarily upon the prayer life of the early church, mainly here in the book of Acts. And so what I want to do is go back and do a quick survey of where we find the church praying in the book of Acts. So I've given all these references for you on your sheet, but you can follow along. We'll start in chapter 1, and we'll work our way through the book of Acts. And I want you to see the emphasis upon the church praying together. So go back to the very beginning, Acts chapter 1. And then we'll work our way through here. Won't take us but a few minutes to work our way through. And then we'll see what the Lord has for us uh, here today as we examine his word together. Acts chapter 1, we'll begin reading at verse number 12. And remember, at the beginning of the book of Acts, you have the Lord Jesus there. You have his ascension into heaven. Uh, We looked at that on Easter Sunday a little bit as we talked about what our risen Savior is currently doing. Now he's back in heaven. And I want you to notice beginning at verse 12, these words. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Now, I want you to notice the group here together. Peter, James, John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas, the son of James. Now, look at verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So we see a great group of people here. Uh, The eleven, we see uh, Mary, we see the women, we see the brothers continuing together in one accord in prayer and supplication. Now, Acts chapter one, verse 24, drop down. It says, and they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen. Then you go to chapter 2, our text this morning, 242. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Go to Acts chapter 3, verse 1. 
The Bible says in Acts 3, 1, now Peter and John went up together to the temple when? At the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Go to Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. The Bible says in Acts 4, 31, and when they had prayed, when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with Boldness. Now go to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, verse 4. You have the, the, the uh, mumbling and the grumbling and the problem arises in the church. Imagine that. And they summon uh, the twelve and they, they're going to select what I believe are the first deacons here to serve the body. And the apostles say this in Acts chapter 6, verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word drop down to verse six, same chapter six, six, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Now go to Acts chapter 12. Quick survey here of what the early church was doing as they were praying together. Acts 12, verse five. You have uh, Peter here in prison. Acts 12, five. It says Peter was therefore kept in prison. But notice this next part in verse 5. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And I love this story. Drop down to verse 12. <laughs> now, the Lord answers their prayers. Peter's release. Verse 12 says, So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. They were having a prayer meeting there. Verse 13. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate. So she's so excited about Peter being standing there, she doesn't let him in. She runs back and announced that Peter stood before the gate. Now, I want you to notice what it says in verse 15. They're praying. God answers their prayer. Verse 15. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so, so they said, it is his angel. Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. And so you have them praying, God answers their prayer, and Peter has a hard time getting to the prayer meeting. Uh, chapter 13, chapter 13, verse 3. I want you to notice what it says. We're not going to talk about fasting today. But chapter 13, verse 3, where it says, Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. That is the commissioning of the missionaries there. Chapter 14, verse 23. Chapter 14, verse 23. 14:23. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Just a couple more. Chapter 16, verse 25. Paul and Silas are in prison. You notice that theme running throughout the book of Acts as persecution comes. And I want you to notice the response. Imagine you're in prison at midnight. What would you be doing? Notice what Paul and Silas are doing in chapter 16, verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I love the next part, too. And the prisoners were listening to them. One more. Acts chapter 20, verse 36, as we get a survey here of some of the prayer 
in the books of the book of Acts of the early church. Acts twenty thirty six. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. You see tenderness here. Then they all wept freely and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spoke, that they would see his face no more, and they accompanied him to the ship. Can you in your mind's eye see them there as they kneel together in prayer? Over and over again, we can go back to chapter 2 again. Over and over again, we see the church praying together. Not just praying privately, though they surely did that, but praying together. We've already talked about fellowship. They continued in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. And that is sharing life together. And there's this, this emphasis and this, this um, modeling of this fellowship of prayer. They fellowship together in prayer. And not just once in a while. Our text again says, and they continued steadfastly. They kept on doing these things in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Now, as I've considered this, I've been convicted that this is one area where we need to improve. And that's why I've sought to put more of an emphasis on prayer. That's why we're giving opportunities to pray. There was a day where we gave more time to announcements than we did to prayer time. And we've changed that because we know that although announcements are great and we need to give those, prayer needs to have an emphasis. To cry out to God together, to encourage one another in prayer, to literally pray for one another by name. Now listen, we should never hesitate to to ask for prayer or to pray one for another. We should never hesitate to ask for prayer or be willing to pray for somebody else. Uh, jot this down or turn to if you want James 5, 13 through 16. I have actually have it written on your, your page there. James 5, 13 through 16. Listen to what the Bible says. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Verse 14 says, is, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Listen, confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know what? The Apostle Paul did not hesitate to ask that others would pray for him. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse one says this. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly. And be glorified just as it is with you. And, and I add my, my comments to Paul. And that is, brethren, pray for me. I, I covet your prayers. I, I need your prayers. Please pray for me. You know what? Even the Lord Jesus requested prayer support. You ever thought about that? The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. Familiar setting to many of us as we've read and studied God's word. But in Matthew 26, beginning verse 37, here's what the Bible says. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40 says, And he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? Verse 41 says, Watch and pray. 
Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, prayer is taught in the scriptures. It's modeled in the scriptures. We need private, personal prayer. We also need that corporate group prayer. You ever thought about that uh, nobody that I read asks the Lord Jesus to teach them to preach? I don't read that in the Bible where it says, Lord, teach us to preach. Now, preaching is important. We've already studied that. They continue the apostles' doctrine, the churches that the church teaches and preaches. But they came to the Lord to say, What, Lord, teach us to pray. And then he teaches them to pray. And you notice it's not an individual thing, it's a corporate group thing. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. You notice there the emphasis upon the body, upon the group. The kind of, this kind of prayer is taught in Scripture. It's modeled for us. But sad to say, when it comes to prayer, prayer is often a formality. It's neglected. Now, let's be real honest here today. When it comes to so much that we do, whether it's committee meetings or classes or get-togethers or meals, if we're not careful... Prayer can become just a formality. Kind of like the national anthem at the beginning of a ball game. You can't play ball without the national anthem, can you? You've got, everybody's got to stand and they've got to sing. And, and, and it's good and proper, but it, it can become just formality, right? Just something we do. Prayer can become the same way. We go through the motions. We, we mumble the words. But the power and passion of prayer is neglected. Jesus was very clear when he said in Mark eleven seventeen. Then he taught them, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Very clear that he wants the church to be a house of prayer. Now, now let's just be honest about it. Why don't we pray more? Why don't we pray like we ought to pray? Author Cheryl Sachs once asked a group of 200 pastors and prayer leaders to make a list of why churches don't pray or don't pray more. The results are very interesting. Uh, She gave in that book the top reasons. I'll give them to you. And as I give them, you can see if any of them relate to you. Here they are. I'll give you four of them as she gave them in her book. The reasons that churches don't pray or don't pray more. Number one, are you ready? Busyness. (laughs) Busyness. Now that holds true in our own personal lives as well, doesn't it? But busyness. We're busy here today. We've got a lot to do. I mean, in, in one hour on a Sunday morning, we have to greet one another. We have to give our offerings. We have to have special music. We have to sing. We have to pray. We have to do all these different things. And so we, we give a nod to things. And when the committee meeting meets or when the Sunday school class gets together, whatever, we're busy doing, doing, doing. And so one of the things that often gets neglected or just kind of a hat, hat tip to is what? Prayer. And yet we wonder why is it that we're so busy yet so unfruitful? Why is it that we're, we're going through, it seems, and spinning the wheels, but, but really, it seems it's dry at times. Could it be because we've neglected the most important thing? That is crying out to God that He might empower through His Spirit the work that we're doing. Prayer time is never wasted time. Busyness. Secondly, apathy. Apathy. That is, people just grow cold and don't care about prayer. 
I remember reading one time about a young man that was asked about, uh, did, he, uh, did he think the problem was really ignorance or was it uh, a lack of concern? What was the biggest problem? He said, I don't know and I don't care. Uh, apathy. We don't really care. Third, self-sufficiency. Do you realize we can go through the motions here without God, the Holy Spirit? Do you realize that? We can sing. We can give an offering. We can stand and I can preach and we can do all these things. We can go through the motions without crying out and depending upon the Lord. Because we become self-sufficient. We're not desperate. Realizing without Him, nothing's going to really be accomplished for God's glory. Then fourth, no leadership. No leadership. That is, those who are leading the meetings and leading the work are not providing that leadership that's needed to make sure that God's people are praying. Now, my prayer is that this would change here. That prayer would permeate and saturate everything that we do. Not just a formality. Not just something we had to get out of the way. But we would passionately cry out to the Lord. Why? Well, thirdly, because prayer is not just important. It's vital. Prayer is not just important. It's vital. Now, do you know the difference between important and vital? Well, let me see if I can illustrate it for you. It's the difference between your hand and your heart. Okay? Everybody hold your hand up like this. Make sure, make sure you're still living and breathing. Good. Praise the Lord. It's good to see you. Every, happy you're still alive. The difference between important and vital. Now, your hand is important. I don't know anybody that wants to do without their hand. It's important. We're thankful for it, I hope. There's a lot of things we could not do without it. It's important, but it's not vital. You see, if for some tragic reason your hand got chopped off, now provided you got medical care, more than likely you're going to live. Now you're going to be struggling in some areas and you're going to be hindered, but you can live without the hand. Listen, you can't live without heart. See, the hand's important. The heart is vital. There's a big difference. Prayer is not just important. It's vital. Without it, we die. You see, if Red Hill Baptist Church is going to move forward, we will only do so on our knees. We can survive and get along without a lot of things. We can move ahead without a lot of things, but not prayer. Listen to what Warren Wiersbe wrote. He said, the incredible thing is that the first Christians who made up the very first church accomplished so very much or so very little. Stop and think what the average church depends on today. Now, now, there's nothing wrong with any of these things, but we depend upon organization. Everything's got to be all organized and, and done in a certain way. Trained leadership. We've got to have trained leadership. Got to have finances. Got to have all these things. Got to have political power. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things, but we depend upon it. He said the early church did not have the kind of organization or buildings or budgets or trained leadership or political connections that we have. So what was their secret? What was the difference? They didn't have the things we have. Listen to the difference. The word of God, the spirit of God and prayer. 
They depended on the Spirit of God. They prayed before the throne of God. And they shared the Word of God. Now, I ask you this, beloved. What are we depending on here? Who are we depending on? Are we, are we depending upon ourselves? Are we depending upon our buildings and our budgets and, and our finances and our training and all these things? Nothing wrong with those things. But is that what we're depending on? Or are we depending upon the Spirit of God? It's time that we return to the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the power of prayer. You see, prayer declares our love for God. As I talk with him, as I pour out my heart to him, as I I spend time with him, as we together as a group do that, as we pray, it, it declares our love for God. But it also declares our dependence upon God. It's a declaration of dependence. It's saying, God, we need you. God, we're desperate. God, without you, we can't go on. We're desperate for him and we're dependent upon him. We need to allow prayer to permeate and saturate everything that we do here. Make prayer a priority in your personal life. Make prayer a priority in your family life. Make prayer a priority in your church life. But listen, our prayers must rise above the temporal realm. And don't misunderstand me. Don't get mad at me. But listen. We're to pray about temporal things, but we're to also pray for the eternal. It's important to pray that somebody gets well physically. But it's vital they get right with God. You you see, so many times our our prayers stay on the temporal level. Right here, today. Right here. And those things are right. We need to pray about those things. But our prayers must rise above that. It must focus on the eternal. And those eternal things. To help you do that as you leave today, I'm going to give you one of these. Daniel and I will as you come through the line. A prayer card. An SBC call to prayer. And what this can do, it it can help you if you'll use it in your prayer time for you to begin to expand your prayer life. Because here you're encouraged to pray for your family and friends that would come to faith in Christ. You're encouraged to pray for your church. You're encouraged to pray for your nation as they seek to plant churches and reach people with the gospel. You're encouraged to pray for the world as you pray for a specific people group that they're reaching with the gospel. And you're encouraged to pray for our convention. And I'm going to give you one of these you leave today because what happens so often is we become self-centered and self-focused and very limited and temporal in our praying. And though we should pray for ourselves in these temporal needs, our prayers must rise above that and it must be kingdom-focused prayers. To pray for the spiritual and not just the physical. What does a church do? Well, one of the things it does, clearly, is it prays. I said it when we started this series of messages some time ago. That as we go back to the Bible and we see God's blueprint and God's plans, that we're going to hold Red Hill Baptist Church up to God's word. And we asked God to do three things, if you remember that first message. We were asking God to confirm and strengthen what we're doing right. And yes, we are praying. Yes, we're spending time in prayer. Then I said, secondly, we're praying that God would correct anything that we're not doing quite right. But then third, it was that scary one, if you remember. We're going to ask God to change anything that he wants to change. 
And I believe as we think about prayer and we think about our own church, this is one area that God really wants us to focus on, that God really wants to tweak, that God really wants to strengthen, that God wants to help us to be plugged in to him, his will, his word, his spirit, and allow God, the Holy Spirit, to work and move in ways that we can't even dream or imagine. To make Red Hill Baptist Church a true house of prayer. And so I ask you this morning as we close this message in this this time together, will you join us? Will you allow God to work in your life, both personally and corporately, to make you a man or woman, a boy or girl, a prayer? To make this place a house of prayer? To totally declare our love for the Lord and our dependence upon the Lord. Will you join us as we pray as a church? As we allow prayer to permeate. I don't care what, I don't care if it's the flower committee. I don't care if it's the maintenance committee. Pray. Whatever it is, Sunday school, youth group, whatever it is, let prayer permeate and saturate and flood everything that we do as we cry out in love and dependence upon the Lord. And be a house of prayer for the glory of God. Now, as we sing this morning, we're going to sing a song I think is most appropriate. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And here's the invitation today. Maybe you need to come and make a fresh commitment to the Lord. Maybe prayer is something that's been off your radar screen. You've not been practicing. Maybe today as we sing this closing song, you might want to come here and get on the altar and pray. And say, Lord, do a work in my life. May prayer be real in my life. May it be vital in my life. May it permeate my personal life, my family life, my church life. Everything that I'm involved with, may it be saturated with prayer. For your honor and your glory. I love you, Lord. And I'm dependent upon you. And I cry out to you. As we sing today, that's the invitation. If you want to come and pray, would you do so? Father, work now in a way that only you can. Bring honor and glory to yourself. Magnify yourself in this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. 182, what a friend we have in Jesus. The ladies are going to play and begin to sing. If you want to come and pray today, I'd like you to do so. As you cry out of dependence and love for our Lord. 182, let's stand and sing.